Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, chaplain, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. And then the fourth step comes down in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. And this is to the church at Sardis, to the messenger of the church of Sardis. He's going to take this letter back to the church, and Christ is identified by the descriptives that we see in chapter 1. The vision of chapter 1 is the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And he says, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. There it is. Now the church is dead. It's dead. First you leave your first love, and then you compromise with the world, and you tolerate sin. Then you're dead. All you have left are programs, programs, programs. You wanted to let the people in so that you'd have a big name. You have your schedules, you have your programs, you pass out your little bulletin. You do go through all of the motions, but you're dead. He says, wake up. Strengthen the things which remain, which are about to die. Or a few things that are there that are just breathing their last and trying to salvage them. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, again, you always have to remember to go back to where you started. Remember what you received and heard and keep it and repent. You always have to repent because it's so sinful. And if you don't, the Lord says, I'm going to come like a thief and you're not going to even know what hour it is that I come. And I believe that in the Lord, New Testament churches, we're going to know the approximate time that the Lord comes because we'll be able to see the signs and the seasons. We may not know the hour. We may not know the exact, but we're going to know that it's at hand. And I think we're seeing that now. You know, when you look back at the churches in Europe and now the churches in America, they're following this process. They're under divine judgment. They're dead because basically the Lord has shut them down. Oh, he says in verse four, there's a few people in Sardis who haven't soiled their garments. And there are a few that are in these dead churches, a few people who are real. And they'll walk with me in white, he says, because they're worthy. By the way, 700 years before this letter, Sardis was one of the great cities of the world. Today, it's rubble. Sardis had a great king. When I say his name, you'll remember it. His name was Croesus. When you want to say somebody's really rich, we say that he is as rich as Croesus. It's synonymous with wealth. But that city had degenerated just like the church in it. And it was a degenerate church in a degenerating city. And by now, it was a corpse. And there's nothing to commend. He says, I know your deeds. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. He doesn't commend anything because the church is dead. All there is is dry rot. The church lost its first love. It became cold in its orthodoxy. And then it became compromising. Then it tolerated false doctrine. And then it was dead. And all it had were the social programs and the politics, the activities. And it was like the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Corpses man the ship. Dead men pull the oars, and dead men steer the vessel. 
Nothing left but form, nothing but programs, lots of activity, sound and fury. Ichabod, the Old Testament says, the glory has departed. So the message, you better remember and you better repent. Now in chapter 3 and verse 14, we come to the fifth step in that sequence of Satan's overcoming the Lord's churches. And this is the letter to the church of the Laodicea. And this is the church that isn't a church. And we're skipping over once again, we're, we're jumping over those other churches that we've skipped. But this is a church that's not a church because the church died in step four. And this is a non-church church, if you would. Again, the Lord is described as the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. These are descriptors from chapter one and the vision that we had. And he says, I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot, but you're lukewarm. And because you're not cold or hot, I'll spit you out of my mouth because you say, I'm rich and have become wealthy and in need of nothing. And you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So that's about as strong as you can get. I advise you to buy of me gold refined by the fire that you may become rich in white garments, that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And I salve that you may anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove in discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. This is a church with Christ on the outside knocking to get in. This is a church that is no church. <laughs> this is the church of tares. The first church of tares would be a good name for it. There's no mention of any in this church that are faith. There's no few here that have, still have garments of white, that are still holding fast, that are still worthy. But the door is open. I should say the Savior's there, but they have to open the door. Salvation is available, but they're nauseating to God. I mean, he would rather have them as just hypocrites, cold, or else saved and hot than the lukewarm professing Christians playing church. They have no real faith at all. They were absolutely without God. They were wretched and miserable, verse 17 says, and poor and blind and naked. So in verse 19, he says, repent. And so this is our Lord, and he's looking at a church, and he sees five kinds of churches here in a sequence. This is how they go. They leave their first love. They let the world in. And once they tolerate sin, they tolerate false doctrine, and then they die. Then they're apostate. Then they're senders of false religion. And all around us, we see that happening. You can see the churches across the United States and Europe, they grow cold and they've gone away. They followed exactly in these steps of Satan as he wants to come in and remove the witness that these churches had. And all they have maybe is cold orthodoxy. And then you can see they begin to marry the world. They begin to tolerate sin. They never deal with sin. People are never uh, required to live holy lives. I can remember the universities and some of the great colleges that are here in the United States. These were seminaries that were filled with godly men who went out into our nation and as missionaries and pastors and established a vital faith throughout our land. And now today they're apostate. They don't even believe. They attack the Bible. They don't believe the Bible. They attack the deity of Jesus. They attack the gospel. And liberal churches that are here that were once passionate, zealous churches, but the Lord always has a remnant. 
we can look back and we can see the wonderful works of the Waldenses and the Huguenots. We can go back and we can see the Albigenses who were around Turkey and Armenia and all of that area. They were known as Anabaptists, and they were true to the faith. They were called Anabaptists because they re, were rebaptizers, and they were zealous. The Albigenses were an amazing people because they wanted to evangelize the world, and they had very little. The Waldenses hid out in the Alps, suffered terrible persecution. We can look at many, many different groups throughout history. There has always been a remnant, the Lord's true people, have always been there, but Satan wants to come in and steal our love for the Lord and take us away. We've seen the steps. No. Hi, this is Paul Thomas. Sorry to interrupt your listening. Permit us to take a moment to let you know how you can contact us at School of Ministry. You can now reach us at schoolofministryresources.org or BibleLandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837 Valley Springs, California 95252. Thank you for tuning in. Now back to the message. But now there are two other letters here and I want us to see of these other two churches and if you go back to chapter 2 and verse 8 you see to the angel of the church of Smyrna write the first and the last who was dead and has come to life. I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to come and cast some of you into prison. You may be tested. You'll have tribulation ten days. Be faithful to death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Did you notice there's absolutely no warning to that church? There's no comment about sin. This is a good church. This church has only commendations. Why? This church was being persecuted. And now let's look over to the third chapter of Revelation in verse 7. And here again to the church at Philadelphia. And as the Lord speaks, the Lord is identified again in verse 7 as the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, shuts and no one opens. He says, I know your deeds. I put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power. And this is a frail church, we see. But you've kept my word. You've never denied my name. And that indicates again the persecution they were going through. And I'm going to cause some of those of the synagogue of Satan, that again it is the same group of people that went after Smyrna, they say they're Jews, they're not, they lie. What does he say? I'm going to make them come down and bow at your feet and to know that I loved you because you kept my word of my perseverance. I will keep you from the hour of testing, the hour which is about to come on the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. Don't let anyone take your crown. Again, nothing negative is said here. Why? Because this was a persecuted church. I remember reading back and then in 1905 in our Association of Works, uh, we had a number of missionaries that were working in Russia and China. And the churches long been established before the rise of communism. And when you look at China, when you look at Russia, the churches were mercilessly persecuted. But they went underground. 
They continued. I don't know what's happened to them today, but I hope that they're still there because of the persecution. And again, we're sending missionaries back. We have a man I, I met that's working in the Ukraine. They're working in Asia Minor. They're working in Russia. And the faith is strong and it's vibrant. The church is pure and sound in doctrine. It disciplines sins. The churches are separate from the world. Their theology is solid. They deal with sin. They're separated. They have a passionate love and zealousness for Christ. They're going everywhere, preaching the gospel, planting churches. And that's the benefit and the blessing and the benediction of having been persecuted. I just heard about some that uh, were accepting Christ in Iran and the terrible persecutions that they're suffering by naming the name of Christ, by leaving Islam and now becoming Christians. There are many that are being beheaded or women that are being accosted and, and just mutilated. The gospel is that powerful, liberating force in every realm. And it brought even in the United States, as it found a great revival, it brought social well-being. But the churches really didn't handle that well. And today, we do not handle our wealth and all of the great things very well, do we? Because the churches used to be pure and zealous and passionate, and faithful, loyal and separated. And that's what outside persecution tends to do. It purifies the church. But outside persecution tends to purify the church, keep it strong. Inside defection leads to death. So you have two great truths here. One shows the steps how Satan has come in to destroy the witness of the Lord's churches. The next show how those that have been persecuted, how they have held on to the truth. Today we need men, women that will carry the gospel. We need people that will just continue on, that we've caught the cycle that we know that if we leave our first love, if we've lost our passion and our fire, that we know that we have to stay true. We have to have a vision of the church of Philadelphia that was proclaiming that all the time, that was purifying influence. I'm afraid we're on that slide. First, we drift into coldness, indifference toward Christ. Then we open our doors like so many quote-unquote evangelical churches today. We just invite the world to come in. We want the numbers. We want the popularity. We want all that that gives. We're looking for a program to deal with our problems and not a person. And then they don't do church discipline. We need the numbers. We don't want to deal with sin. We want to make everybody comfortable. We want people to come in at any price. Pretty soon you have false teaching. And then you're dead. Then you're apostate. Christ is on the outside. What a sad, sad cycle. But that's the cycle that we see that Satan is doing and Satan is working to destroy the Lord's churches in this day and age. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.